So all that said, I'm going to give it over to Brian Kent. Let's give it up for Brian this morning. Thank you, brother. Yeah, brother. Hey, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> How are you doing? Good. Yeah, I mean, you're doing good because it's going to be 75 degrees this week, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't set my, uh, my digital paper device to be unlocked, so here we go. Um, well, hey, but before we, uh, we jump in, I'll give a, a quick intro to the text we're going to go through today. Um, I know it's a little informal to be like, hey, we're just, we're just going to jump right in. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll make a few jokes and stuff, and, and I'll get to jokes and stuff later. Hopefully they'll be funny. Um, but um, this is our last of the Jesus for us all sermon series. And if you remember, that series started a few weeks before Easter. And we've gone through a couple different topics. Obviously, we, we landed at, at the death and resurrection of Christ at, at Easter. But I really like that we've continued it a little bit after Easter. Because <clears throat> if we think about what Easter is all about, it, does, it isn't just like, hey, Jesus died for our sins and he rose again. And therefore, we have new life as believers and, and sweet. Well, well, we'll see you in heaven. Right? That's, that's not where we're at, right? There's, there's this whole time of our life from there to then, and, and Jesus was aware of that, and, and, and what we're going to look at today is a, a, a very small section of a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. So the, the, the 12 guys, um, uh, sorry, the 11, Judas Iscariot has, has left the room at this point. So the 11 who were um, there with Jesus through his life, doing ministry with him, but also those who he said, hey, you're going to keep going and you're going to spread the gospel. And so I want us to remember that that context as we're, we're reading. It's really important that that this passage is, is not about um, becoming new believers. It's, it's an address to believers. And if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, well, hey, I'm, I'm not a believer, so thanks, Brian. I, this was a nice 25 minutes. I'm out. Um, please stay. Please stay. I, I, I really I, I hope this encourages you. Um, but it, it's important to know that context, that, that Jesus is, is, is going to be dying in a few days when this was spoken, and he's telling his disciples, hey, let's talk a little bit about um, living life and, and loving me. And, and receiving that. So um, it's, it's, and one other thing I want to mention too is, is he's not talking to a bunch of dudes who, who earned their seat at the table, okay? So if, if, if you hear this and you're like, hey, well, um, I'm, not, I'm not like the disciples. Um, actually, you might be more than you are. They're, they're fishermen. They're tax collectors who essentially in that time were, were seen as, as people who stole from their own people. They're, they're, they're people who, who are broken and, and figuring life out just like you and I. So I, I want to remind us of that. So our passage today is John 15, 9 through 11. And it says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Let's pray real quick before we go any further. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that, that you spoke to, to your disciples, but that then you said this will be written in scripture and will be shared with the believers forever. And God, I, 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 as we go through this passage, I, I know that there are things that we probably feel excitement about, about remaining in God's love, about joy, things that we long for. But there might also be things that we think, man, like, obey my commands and you will remain in my love. God, I, I know that for some of us, there, there might be struggle with that. Maybe, maybe we've been hurt by how some people have said we need to live. Maybe, maybe we've had un, un, unsafe experiences or unhealthy experiences with what obedience looks like. And God, I pray today that wherever we're at, that, 
that we would see that that you gave this message as 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 love and as encouragement that this was good news for the disciples and it is good news for us today it is not it is not news god of 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 perfect religion and as, as, as ricky saying earlier it's 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 not about about doing all these things but it's about you god and about being close to you and so i pray god that 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 you would be working in our hearts today wherever we're at wherever our past puts us lord that you would be the one who works we pray this in christ's name amen so before we we dig too far in i'm, I'm gonna sidetrack a little bit i told you i'd sidetrack you guys were waiting for it here it is um no one comes here for the sidetracking, I know. That's that's a bad joke. But um, I think it's going to help us rearrange our thoughts a little bit as we prepare for receiving this word. And as Easter wraps up, that means that spring is kind of in full swing. And there are, are a lot of different things that, <clears throat> that you're probably looking forward to. I don't actually know anyone who doesn't have something they're looking forward to in spring. Are, are, do any of you like, oh, winter's over, I'm bummed? Is that any of you? All right, cool. <clears throat> so I've made a good assumption. So, you know, you, you might be thinking, you know, maybe you're a student and school's coming to a close. You got two months left. I know, I know we got some soon-to-be graduates here, and you're like, yeah, let's go, right? That might be what you're excited about. Maybe the 75-degree weather which is coming, which, side note, Pacific Northwest has the greatest summers in the world. So, obviously, springtime is, like, the greatest season anywhere on the planet's coming up. <clears throat> maybe, you're, uh, maybe you're just pumped that tax season is done. Maybe you're a business owner, and you're like, whew, that was tough. It's over now. Um, or, or vacations on the horizon. I know a couple people here, um, they're excited because um, NBA basketball, NHL playoffs, it's, it's, it's in like the most exciting time of year. Um, Tyler's a baseball fan. He keeps bringing up the Mariners. He even said yesterday if he could, he'd go to every game, um, which is a lot, but <laughs> he's excited about that. <clears throat> but for me, um, this month of the year, um, what I'm really excited about is the NFL draft. Anyone else watch the NFL draft each year? Oh, Stephen does. Okay. The rest of you are either like, what is that? Or you're like, we have to watch the draft. Um, but I'm glad I'm not alone. Um, for those of you who don't know, the NFL draft is essentially when, when um, the professional football league selects people out of college, the team's make a selection say hey we want you to come and be a part of our team and prove you're there it's it, basically it's three days of for the 17th pick of the nfl draft the new england patriots select bobby boucher from central louisiana mondogs right that's 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 what i i want to i'm excited about next week starting thursday um but part of why I really like it is 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 um, there's something cool about seeing these guys who who they've been living their dream in college and they've been working hard and, and now they have the chance to make it a career and and okay how far are they going to make it who's going to do great and what teams making the great strategy and but 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 what it's all about is is, is there's this idea of like we still don't quite know if these guys are going to make the team but they have a chance for that for that that dream to happen they're at the point now where like. Someone is saying, we are willing to start paying you a lot of money to play football. And that's pretty cool. That's exciting. But I think sometimes being a Christian, we, we kind of see it in a similar way to this. I think sometimes there's a little bit of this like, okay, you, you've made the team. Your, your life has forever changed, and, and there's so much ahead of you. But there's also this sense that, that we get, and I'm not saying this is the right sense, but, but bear with me here, um, that, that, you know, like some of these football guys have, like, well, I haven't really made the team. Yeah, they, they picked me, but, but I've still got to prove myself. And you could read a passage like today, and you could wonder, you know, what do I need to do to stay on the team? It says I need to follow these commands. Maybe you're thinking, is that what this passage is about? 
Maybe you've, you've been selected, but you're like, maybe now do I need to prove that I'm, I'm worthy of being on the team? Or maybe am I still trying to earn being on the team? Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're a veteran and you, you've been on the team forever and you're like, I know why I'm on the team. Check it out. I'm great. <laughs> but, but friends, I, I want to tell you that, that this, is, this is not at all what being a Christian is about. If I can be brash, you did not make the team of Christianity. You didn't make the team. Okay, if, if there were tryouts, you, you probably weren't even going to be invited. Because being in the family of God is not about talent. It's, it's not about, oh man, you, you did so great, and now, now Jesus is interested, and he's going like, oh, check Brian over there. He's good. Man, I might pick him in the, th the third or fourth round. Let's, let's consider. It, that's not the case. Because you see, a, a relationship with God is not like a career in football. It's not like any career for that matter. We're, we're not here because we're professionals. We're not here because, because we worked hard and we, we earned our keep and, and we deserve this relationship with God because it, it, if that was the case, then, then it would be like a job and an opportunity would arise and we'd go, oh, well, I need to be better than I need to keep going. Or, or we'd, be, we'd be just like maybe we are at work sometimes with these guys on the team. We're like, I got to keep proving my worth. It, because I think we all know that, that if you've got a job, maybe, you know, you're really lucky and, and your boss doesn't know um, how hard you work or how hard you don't work. But I think we're all in some state where it's like, hey, if I don't do at least this much, I'm, I'm going to get fired. If I don't do at least this much, I'm going to get off the team. But our relationship with God is radically different than our relationship with a job or a team. And, and I start there because I want to make sure that, that we are being a little bit honest with sometimes it feels that way. Maybe, maybe much of your life it's felt that way. Maybe people have told you it's that way. And I want to say, no, that's not it. We need to acknowledge first what this passage is not talking about so that we can be a little bit afraid to talk about what it is saying. Okay? Because it says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. That is not a statement of you got to do this or you're out. No, no, because it's not an instruction given by the boss. It's not a threat. It's, it's not a coaching moment of like, hey, you want to extend your career a little bit longer? Maybe you should eat healthier and, and, and do the TB12 diet, right? No, it's, it, it, this is the farewell discourse, and it's meant to be encouraging. It's spoken to, to Jesus' disciples before he dies, not saying like, hey, let's hopefully keep this going. But he's saying, no, because you're a believer, he wants us to remain in his love. And so what's, what's actually being said is it's being said as, to us as part of the family of God, right? I, I hope that none of you wake up in the morning and say to your kids, like, hope you're good today because that front door is always ready for me to kick you out. I don't think any parent would ever, any good parent would ever say that. And maybe if you're like, yeah, hey, a parent that said, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and, I, and I hope and pray that, that you've, you've begun to see and experience a better family life. But the truth is, is God is, as we saying, he is the good, good father. He is the ultimate dad. And as believers, we're a part of that family. And, and not only is it saying, hey, you're a part of this family, it's saying that we can be close to God in this passage and that we can experience his love. It's saying in verse 11 that, that we have greater joy than we've ever experienced available through that relationship with him. We also hear Jesus say about remaining in this love in John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Or, or, or a few verses before it says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And, and I would think that in today's world, the, the term keep my commands or be obedient are by some considered maybe negative statements. And maybe that's because of a bad boss. Maybe that's because of a bad parent or, 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 or being on a sports team and whatever. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. 
But maybe that's created a negative view of that for you. Or maybe it's just like, that sounds like something that that old preacher that I used to hear would say. And I remember how he made me feel. But I also dare to say, and I know at least true for me, that sometimes it's just my sinful heart. That when I hear that I need to be obedient, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I don't really want to. I might have to stop doing X, Y, and Z. I might have to start doing this. And so for today, I think we need to double down on this passage. Because if what Jesus is saying here is true, then I think it's something we as believers need to be striving for and regularly reminding ourselves of. Because we got to take it serious. Because if Jesus really died and rose again, and his kind of introduction to, to that for the disciples of life after is saying, I want you to experience my love, I want you to experience joy, and I want you to obey me. I think that that's a pretty clear and serious matter, but I think we need to get it right. Because how can we experience God's love and the ultimate joy that he's offered and also experience what does obeying God's command have to do with that? Okay, and I'm, I'm going to read it again because I, I kind of botched it and it's put up there a little bit better. But, but how can we experience God's love and the ultimate joy that he offers and what does obeying God's commands have to do with it? Okay, I think, I think those don't feel connected all the time, but today I think we need to acknowledge this passage doesn't see conflict with those. So let's figure out why. And so we're going to read our passage again, okay? It says, As the Father has loved me, <clears throat> I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The first thing that we're going to look at in this passage is something that Jesus is telling us. Jesus is telling us to be like him. That is the first thing that we need to take away from this passage. Jesus is telling us to be like him. He tells us to keep his commands, but, but what else does he say? He, he tells us to do that because he kept his father's commands. He says it is his joy that he wants us to experience. He doesn't just say, I want you to follow my father's commands like I did. He's saying, I want you to be happy like I am. I think we would all want to agree that we want to experience that joy. He says joy in, in glorifying God. He wants us to remain in God's love, just as he remained in his Father's love. Later on in, in this chapter, we'll see that, that we are told to love others, just as Jesus loves us. Jesus said in Matthew that if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Something that he would do. And we see in Philippians 2, it even specifically says that our mindset be a, should be as that of Christ. Friends, Jesus wants us to be like him. He wants us to be humble. He wants us to be joyful and loving and obedient and, and so many other things. The, the list goes on. And what is crazy is not only does he want us to be like him, but he made us like him. Okay? You got to hear that. It, it, it's not that he's just like, like yo, like you got to figure this out. Here's a manual. I hope you can be like me. No, he's saying, I have also made you like me. Because when we reread in 2 Corinthians, it said... He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when we start approaching, man, I want to have a relationship close with God. I want to experience his joy. I want to follow his commands. And Jesus says, be like me. He's also saying, I made you like me. Jesus took our place so that we could receive his righteousness so that when the father looks on us, he does not see what he saw before. But now what does he see? Because of Easter, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees that, that we are now clean before God. 
You see, Jesus laid down his life to save us so that we might come to know him and to know his Father, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to live a life of glorifying God by enjoying him. And if I'm going to be honest, I want to live a life of God by enjoying him. I, 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 want, I like that idea that, that glorifying God means that there's joy. And I think that that is a purpose worth dying for. And that's why Jesus did and why he calls us to live like him and he can because he's made us like him. But leave, living like Jesus isn't always easy though. His life wasn't easy, right? I think we, we acknowledge that if we're gonna live like Jesus, we gotta realize his life was not easy. He was persecuted, he was slandered, he was rejected and he was eventually murdered. And I don't want to come with just this nice little fluffy, like every, every cute picture of Jesus with holding kids or, or, or whatever, right? But no, there's, there's going to be tough moments too. Scripture tells us that in this world, there will be suffering for us. And sometimes that suffering might come because of our belief in Christ. Because we're living to pursue him. We see a few passages later in, in John chapter 15, chapter 15 that, that sometimes the world's response to our faith might be hatred. And, but Christ reminded us that, that the world hated him first. We may be hated because we have faith in Christ. We may be hated when we stand up for what we believe. And sometimes following Jesus, it might just be hard because you are the one who doesn't like what Jesus says. That, and I don't mean you as, as a follower of Christ, but I mean the, the fact, the sinful nature that, that Christ will someday, when we are in heaven, completely remove from us, right? I know for me, sometimes the reason that, that, that I struggle with this idea that, that, that seeking God might, might be hard is because inside me, I'm like, ah, but, oh, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't like that part of it. I want to be like this. Maybe it's because that's easier for me. Maybe because that's a desire that I have. I, 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 was, I was thinking as I was preparing this sermon about, you know, some of the ways that, that I... Uh, um, that I wrestle with that, that I wrestle with, with obedience because, because there's, there, there is a part of me that is like, oh man, I'm not sure I really want that. You know, and I, I talked to my wife, Jesse, I said, oh, what, what should I, what should I share? And maybe what shouldn't I share? And, 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 and I, as I thought about some stories, I thought about something my, 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 uh, when I was younger, and I think when we're all younger, we, we've got a little bit of a rebellious side. And sometimes when someone treats us bad, when someone disrespects us, there's, there's a way we want to respond, right? And, and some of you are like, well, I'm an adult and I still want to respond. And that way it's kind of like, yo, what's up? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm going to disrespect you back. And, and I, I, uh, I was no different than any other teenager. Um, I, even though I was never in a fight, I can't tell you how many times I was like, I'm going to get in a fight right now. Um, with this adult because he said something to me I didn't like or, or this other kid. And, and, uh, and I wanted to be able to stand up when I was disrespected. Um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to do it in a certain way. I, I, want, I didn't want to take the high road. I want to take the low road. I want to say, you did a low blow, I'm going to low blow you back. And, and, and I remember my, my dad used to tell me, and, and I didn't tell him I was going to talk about him, so sorry that I'm talking about you today. But he used to always say, you know, Brian, like, you, you just got to treat people with respect. He always talked about the importance of respect. And, and I was always like, yeah, but they're disrespecting me. Like, this, this cat deserves to, like, get knocked in the face. Or, like, yeah, no wonder I said that back. They're a jerk. They were asking for that comeback. I was going to make them feel real small. And, and the thing was is I didn't, I didn't want to understand why it was important to respect others. He also told me this other thing all the time. And when I remember we, we'd be, like, the, you know, on a vacation, and he'd see someone he knew 
people would be like, Dad, we're like in some random town in Idaho. Like, how are you seeing someone you know? Um, you know, we went to Disney World once. We saw like three people we knew. Um, he knew, not we. He knew them. And, and he would always say, he'd say, Brian, it's a small world. It's a small world. You never know when you're going to see someone again. And, and as I grew up in life and as I became an adult, I came to realize that part of why he would tell me, Brian, you got to treat people with respect, was because I didn't know what was going on in that moment, but I was probably going to see that person again someday. And I remember it happened when there was someone who I had really not liked in my teenage years, and it was adult. It was someone who I thought disrespected me, didn't, didn't take me seriously enough as a kid, because I, I, I needed to be taken fully. I knew everything when I was 15. <laughs> and I remember I really had wanted to, like, be mean to this person. And I saw them years later, and I was working a job. And they came in and said, hey, Brian, it's good to see you. And, and it was just this nice conversation. Oh, how's your dad doing? And, and at that moment, I remember I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, even though I wanted to treat those people how they made me feel, I wanted to get back at them. I, I, I learned in that moment that, that part of why giving people respect was just because you're probably going to see those people again. Someday you might, you might be someone who they say, hey, like, I, some of you might be in this room, and maybe I felt like disrespecting you 20 years ago. And, and if I had, maybe be like, wow, yeah, I also remember what Brian said to me 20 years ago. That guy was kind of a jerk, right? Which I know all of you, I, I fell into that trap a lot of times. And there's actually people who I've had to go and say, hey, yeah, you're right, and, and I've changed, and I'm sorry for that. But the point that I'm trying to get at is, when, when we talk about obedience, it's, it's not always what our sinful nature sees it as in that moment. And I'm going to go on in a little bit, and I'm going to talk about a little bit of a different way to do it, but I want to kind of open up, just give you that little bit of introduction. Because in the moment, yeah, there's going to be times where we have a reason to say, I don't, I don't want to do that, I want to do what I want to do. And Jesus said, though, in Matthew 16, 24, he says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. To say that I need to not put myself first, but I need to put first the character of Christ that he has given me. And, 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 and going back to that story, it's that same thing. It, it wasn't about, hey, in this moment, like, how do I defend myself? It was, you know what? I need to honor this person, and I need to have Christ-like character. Jesus isn't making a sales pitch here, okay? I realize you might not be sold. You might be, you might be thinking like, man, denying myself, that sounds painful. Um, but he's sharing this because the seriousness and the sacrifice of living for God is real. But Jesus knows better than any of us. He knows better than my dad. My dad's pretty smart, but, but, but even, even his advice could, couldn't sum up to what Jesus says. But there is a seriously dark state of our sinful desires, and we're called to deny that as well as the sinful state of the world. And so to sum all this up, where, where I'm going with this part is, is, is our growing closer to God, our experiencing joy in Christ and remaining in His love, it is closely tied to our obedience to God and His Word. And that obedience means denying ourselves and living as Jesus and Scripture instruct. And so all this leads into our second point, okay? We love God by obeying His commands. Okay, we love God by obeying his commands. And I don't think that we need to argue that, that true love means putting someone else's needs before your own. Okay, think about maybe your spouse. Think about maybe your kids or, or someone you really love. How many of you would say like, hey, to love them well, I need to put their needs before mine? Let's get a raise of hands. Let's get real here, right? How many of you know that, that hey, true love means I, I got to care about this person more than I care about me right now? But let's get real. When, when we see we love God by obeying his commands, I know for me, I have this odd hang up. 
I don't have that hang up with my wife. I know that I, if I, to love Jesse, I got to put her needs before mine. I know that my kids need me to put their needs before mine, and that's how I can best love them. Yet somehow when it comes and it says that we need to put God's needs before ours, there's, there, it's almost like there's a hang up. But Jesus tells us that there is joy in loving and obeying him. And I think we need to remember that, that putting God's needs and wants first will actually create joy for you. I think the part of us that's, that, that is hesitant to it is the part of us that, that wants to keep doing what we want, what feels great in the moment, what, what, what's, what seems good from our own eyes. But the truth is, is, as this scripture teaches us, that if we put God's needs and wants first, he will create joy for you. And sometimes we know that we want to be freed from sin. I think there's clear moments where we're like, man, I do. I need obedience from God. I, please, Lord, take me from this. We know that there is joy on the other side of if I can just stop doing this. If I could start doing this. I think we can admit sometimes that there's clear joy. That sometimes it's just like, I just want to be broken from this addiction or this habit. Or I just can't keep doing this anymore. I know it's ruining my life. And I think there's other times where maybe it's a harder time. Or maybe it's like, man, I, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. Because sin maybe looks appealing in that moment. And the truth is, until we get to heaven, sin is always going to be trying to make a case for why we shouldn't obey God. Okay? Sin's always going to be, going to be saying, hey, what about this? Brian, what about this? Come on, Brian, maybe this person's worth disrespecting. Maybe they did enough for you to call him a bad name. But maybe a better way to understand this, a better way to be, instead of looking at sin that we are saying no to, maybe a better way to handle this in terms of obedience is instead of looking at the sin, is to, to, to look at and try to understand the result of joy and obedience. If we look at to where God is calling us to, I think that can maybe help our hearts see a little bit more of, of where that joy and closeness with Him is. Galatians tells us what the signs of someone living obedient and loving for Him looks like. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And those are things that I want. And, 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 and I know when I'm in a, a state of sin and I look at those things, I think, man, that is, that is what I want, though. And when I have that in mind, maybe my heart is a little bit more ready to say, Yes, I don't want this. Because I'm not just looking in the moment at, at what, what, what that sin is, what that thing is that I say, oh, it's tough to be obedient here. But if I look to what God wants me to experience. We see here that, that these are things that belong to those who have put to death on the cross their flesh and its passions. That's what we experience when we follow God's commands. When we say that above all else, I'm going to love God with my whole heart, soul, and mind, that's what we experience. And, and I think when we look at what springs from obedience, we can understand more of this next passage out of 1 John, which says, For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. His commands are not a burden. When we look at the sin that God calls us away from, it's no wonder that we struggle to abandon it. Because when we're looking at the sin that we're coming away from, it, it's like we're walking backwards and be like, yeah, well, I'm just being reminded of all the reasons I would do it. But if we could turn away and look where we're going, that's where we see that there's no burden. We haven't been instructed to this journey, to this, to this crazy idea that denying our passions and desires is actually more desirable than we, what we think we want and need. Okay? 
But, 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 but look at what Jesus says elsewhere. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Because here's the other encouragement that I want to give you. If, if you're like, Brian, sometimes I just can't look away. I want to I have you see this verse because it says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Okay, we already went there. But the second portion, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. There's a lot of different ways translated. It's translated comforter. Okay, and, it's, and, and when I say comforter, I don't mean like a comforter in your bed. It's like, oh, this is cozy and nice. I mean like a comforter like, like your mom when you were a kid and you were crying. Okay? An advocate for you. Okay? A, a legal advocate who says, I will defend you. I will also accuse of a sin of it's wrong, but I will defend you. Because you see, this, this joy, this obedience, this remaining in Christ's love, we are not doing it alone. We as believers are filled with the Holy Spirit who helps us, who guides us, who reveals our sin, who comforts us in our struggles and trials, who strengthens us as we strive to overcome, and does so much more. And one of the things that encouraged me about this most, though, is that being filled with the Holy Spirit of, as our helper is proof that obedience is not about perfection. It's not about getting everything right, but it's about growing closer to God. Okay, let's read that again. Being filled with the Holy Spirit as our helper is not, is proof that obedience is not about proof. proof that all those unhealthy ways that you're like, oh, I gotta do everything perfect. I gotta, I gotta do the religion right and I gotta be a superstar. No, it's not about that. It is about growing closer to God. That is what obedience is about. Jesus doesn't say when you do everything right, you'll get the Holy Spirit. No. We see through Scripture that, that from the moment we first believe, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. God has already begun the work of bringing you close to Him. He's already given a piece of Himself to you. And obedience is simply just our response to the part that we play in growing closer to God. And praise God that it is not by our power or our ability to succeed in this that grows us closer to God. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us. That's really important, right? When, when we're obeying, we, it's not about like, how did I do good enough to get closer to God? But no, that, that's the power of the Holy Spirit that is working through that. And what are the things that we will see the Holy Spirit leading us to? The Holy Spirit leads us to worship. The Holy Spirit leads us to prayer, to, to reading God's word, to turning from our sin, loving others and, and caring for the needy, denying ourselves and looking more like Christ. And, and I'll tell you this, if you think about that list, the Spirit is working in us in really just two main categories. Acts that turn us to God and acts that turn us away from what keeps us from God. That's what, that's what we're being led to do is, hey, God, like, what turns me to you? And God, how do I get away from the things that are keeping me from you? Through obedience to God, our desire for Him grows. And that's what we see there. Through obedience to God, our desire for Him grows. I want to tell you something today. We already have this desire in us. As you sit here today hearing this word, whatever got you to church today, that was part of that obedience that God is doing to bring you closer to God. Whatever led you to that moment this week where you prayed, whether it was this morning you were praying, whether it was right before the service, or maybe the last time you prayed was three weeks ago when you were driving in the car and you had a real crappy day at work and you just said, God, what am I doing? All of those moments, that is the obedience that is leading you closer to God and God just wants you to experience more of that. Whatever it is that got you to open your Bible last time, or to just say, I'm going to put my Bible on the counter here and hopefully tomorrow morning I'll open it. Those are moments of obedience. And we know there's joy and peace in Him. 
And that is why in our darkest times, through our greatest suffering, we, we eventually find ourselves longing for God. So maybe it's not a moment of obedience. Maybe right now you're just in a moment where you're like, I don't even know what God is doing. I don't even know how I could turn to him. And I just want to say, fan that flame you have for God with obedience. The Psalms speak beautifully about longing for God, and I'm going to go through a couple here, but, but bear with me. In, 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 in verse in chapter 42, it says, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? In chapter 119, it says, How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. In the 16th chapter, you reveal the path of life to me, and your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. In 37, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. But even in your times of great need, in chapter 63, it says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. I love that it says, I thirst for you, because we don't choose to thirst. Okay? When you're in a tough time, it doesn't take any energy to just be like, Oh, I need you. When you haven't drank for hours, it doesn't take any energy. Be like, I need water. This, this is so amazing. It says, I thirst for you. My body faints for you. In a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Guys, we see that as believers, that as we seek God, as we thirst for him, he wants to draw us near. And why is it that when we remain in God's love that he provides for us his comfort, joy? Why do, why do all these things happen? Why does he bring us close to him? Why, why any of that? Why is there joy when we draw near? Why does obedience grow our relationship with him? And I'll tell you, it's one thing, three simple words. God loves you. That is the ultimate truth that drives all this. God loves you. He loves you and he wants you to experience that love. He loves you and he wants you, knowing that he loves you, to be a joy. That you can find joy in glorifying him and in being close to him. God loves you. John 3, 16 through 17 says, For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Romans we read, But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But the one that I think fits really well with what we're talking about today is in 1 John, and it says, Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not that we loved God. Not that we obeyed super well. Not that we did all these things right and got our hearts perfectly aligned. No. He sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins because he loves us. Because he loves you. And that means that the sin you turn away from has already been paid for. You are already justified. You are already bought for heaven. You are already seen as clean by the Father. Friends, hear this now. You are already forgiven. Thus, the call to follow God's command is because he wants you to experience his love now. Not just when you get to heaven. He wants you to experience it now. He wants it to be where you're heading to be a part of your life now. And where you're heading is the most amazing close relationship with him. So as, as, as we wrap up today, I, I want to I give a challenge for you. And, and if we could just put the, the, that passage up one more time in, in John chapter 15. 
We read, it says, As the Father has loved me, you have also, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. We're all in different spots this week. And, and, but I think that we all need to, to take this passage. And, and my challenge for you this week is, is, is if, if you can be obedient one thing, maybe be obedient in reading this passage once a day for the next seven days. And, and really saying, God, what in this passage do I need to, do I need to bring to you? Maybe for you, it's, it's just the idea uh, that God loves you. Maybe you're just wrestling with that, like how? Maybe it's the idea that, that you just are like, God, I don't know if I love you sometimes. Maybe, maybe it is obedience. Maybe you're just like, God, I, I know that, that I just don't choose to, to follow your ways. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like, God, I work so hard at being obedient that I have, I've lost my joy in it. I've just become legalistic, and I, I need to find joy again in, in doing what you have. And maybe it is just, God, I just have no joy. Whatever it is, I challenge you just once a day. It's a short verse, but just read it once a day this week and just say, God, where, where in this passage are you calling me right now? Let's pray. And, and, and I'm going to ask something when we pray, and, and so I, I do ask that everyone just keep your eyes closed so that we can be thoughtful and respectful here. God, we thank you for your word, Lord. God, we, we know that, that, that this passage is, is, is meant for joy, and God, there are experiences in our life that have made some of these things tough. But God, I hope and pray that today as we think about this challenge, that we think, God, where, where are you calling us to? And God, I am reminded that, that we are not alone in this, God, that, that you have called us here to this building today because you say it is my church that I will love, that it is through your church that word will come, but also through your church that the Spirit will work. And so, God, for, for anyone here today that is thinking, I, I want to be more obedient. I want to learn how can I love God more. I want to I I go from a, a legalistic obedience to one that is filled with joy and love. I want to remind them that, that, that they don't have to go through this alone. And if, if you're in that spot and you're saying, Lord, I want more of this. God, I, I need this. And, and you're someone who's saying, hey, I don't want to do it alone, though. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you in a moment here to raise your hand. And, and I'm going to be looking out here because I want to talk to you afterwards because we want to be here with you. We don't want to preach this sermon, God. And we don't want people to go and be like, well, I'm on my own, God. Remind them that we are here as a church. So, Lord, if anyone is feeling that way, God, I pray that they would raise their hand. Now they would just say, hey, I, I, need, I need someone to walk here with me. Maybe I need discipleship. God, wherever they're at, Lord, I pray that you give them that courage. And for anyone that doesn't feel that courage to raise their hand, God, that, that, that they might say, hey, maybe I'm just going to talk to Pastor Tyler after the sermon. Maybe I'm going to fill out a connection card. Whatever it is, God. Or maybe it is just I'm going to go home and I'm going to talk to my spouse or my friend. God, I pray that you would remind us that we're not in this alone, that we're filled by the Holy Spirit, and that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are here as well. We thank you, God. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.